Market Watch is proudly brought to you by Top Sport, home of the Top Sport betting multi. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. Oh, Jared, come on. You guys at North Sydney had so much fun. Hello, welcome to this week's edition. Uh, we say it every week. I think it is a special edition of the Market Watch podcast. It's proudly brought to you by topsport.com.au. You remember they are the home of the best of the best multi. We've got to, uh, usual suspects in attendance today. That's always exciting. I'm talking about Tristan Merlin. I'll tell you what, Tristan Merlin, hasn't he announced some big news during the week? We'll have to get to more of that. The number one seat up there at Top Sport. And, of course, I think he's there. Hello, are you with us, Jared Condon? Well, it's it's a special edition, Jimmy, because I'm laying on the floor in a pool of blood trying to talk and do a podcast. So, uh, yes, I'm here, and it's been a very long week. And I know yeah. you've been looking forward to this little chat like Christmas. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes send their best, so hope yes. everything's okay there. Um, what about that, Tristan? You, you know that. I don't know whether it's my interest in the NFL because, you know, over the last couple of years, especially with doing this podcast and, and you just you just start following it a whole lot more. But it seems the the growth and growth of the interest in the NFL uh, is um, unabated here in Australia. Do you get a sense of that across the, the markets? Yeah, g'day, boys. And, yeah, gee, it's been an interesting week. It's the first time ever I've noticed uh, Jared's uh, phone signal has been out of play for the last yes. few days. But, no, it was a uh, it was a very, very uh, enjoyable and exciting game. And you're right, the, the interest in the Super Bowl, I think it's just growing every year. The amount of people that had something on on Monday to, to watch it and, uh, you know, it was it was great. The the, the, the match was was a really tight affair as well. The the betting activity was, was massive. We had over 200 markets up on the game and, just so many different people in, investing in, in in a lot of uh, different options as well. So from that aspect, it was great. It was uh, and it was good. Sometimes you know when, when you when you got a tight betting game like we had and you expect it to be a close game, sometimes it can turn into a blowout. Which to be fair, at halftime when Mahomes got that little uh, that, that that he was hobbling off, I thought, geez, this could be anything here. So it just shows how good a coach Andy Reid is to be able to get him back into that game and turn things around at halftime. And uh, yeah, what a fantastic uh, viewing performance. Well, at halftime, the Chiefs were four dollars twenty. Lo and behold. And and we'll get to the game in a moment, but I must tell you a quick little story. I mean, I, I just love Super Bowl Monday. It, it's just about up there with um, Melbourne Cup Tuesdays, two highlight days of the year for me. And I was at home on my own this year, normally do a, a day out with some uh, some mates. And uh, so I spoiled myself with a really nice lunch that I had in the fridge and a couple of nice bottles of wine. And half time, I've just walked over and dusted it all off and sat it down. And oh, no. I tell you, by mid-afternoon, I was feeling very ill. And I'm not sure whether it was the food, the wine or the result, but uh, it was a long start to the week. Nothing worse than the early crow, it must be said. Uh, all right, if you are listening uh, via your um, podcast platform, could be Spotify, Apple, Megaphone, wherever it is you get your podcasts, uh, we encourage you to leave a review for us. Um, you can watch us via YouTube as well. We've got lots coming up this half hour. Test cricket, of course, starting today. So we'll see how you go with getting that. We'll look back at the NFL. We'll look forward to the NRL final week of the preseason challenge. And then, of course, we'll get stuck into some racing. But we better get an update, Tristan. Um, I think the biggest collect might be from the lunch bet. So just he just falling over himself last week, Jared, to just double down and, and double down. Where are we at with Pass It On Clothing? Yeah, we uh, we got a few little returns there during the week. Obviously, the uh, 
the input from Jared into the uh, the kitty was much appreciated, and we got the balance up to three thousand three hundred and seventy-five. Uh, learning to fly, we got a return there of three hundred and twenty dollars. So that was a that was a nice result. Then Kansas City, obviously, plus the one that was uh, that was something. I, I thought early on in the game we had a had a little wager on Travis Kelsey to score two plus touchdowns, and I thought that would have been quite short um, mid, midway through the uh, the first quarter. But yeah, unfortunately, I uh, couldn't quite get that one over the line. But yeah. Still a nice, nice little return and 3,375 in the kitty as we speak. Wow. Well done, Jared. Learning to fly. So uh, there was a positive for you coming out of the weekend. Are you able to take us now to the lunch bet updated table at all, Jared? Well, and, and just on learning to fly, Jimmy, I was rather confident last Thursday when we talked about that horse. And Drew Barrier 19 had to come through the car park, came from last approaching a turn, still picked them up and won in very good numbers. And, uh, it's a, she's a very, very good horse. Uh, Jimmy, well, the really good news is that uh, so far we've tipped in 700 bucks to uh, the pool out of our lunch bet scores, and um, I've tipped in 650 of that. And uh, out in front, we have you on plus seven, Tristan on plus four, and uh, I guess somebody's always got to make up the numbers and run last, and right at the moment, that would be me on a minus 10. And I did offer you a little side bet a few weeks ago, Jimmy, about whether you wanted to have a, a side interest on um, me picking up the difference and beating you home by the 31st of December, but um, you passed on that, and there you go. There was an opportunity missed. So hang on. So so the thing you're gloating about now is the fact that you are going to run last. So anyway, it's interesting well, way to, we can turn that inside I, out. I, I needed to turn it upside down somehow, Jimmy. <laughs> I love the way that your successful gambling is supporting your lunch habit. So that's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Well, well done on that one. Um, all right, let's have a look at this uh, test cricket match that's coming up today. Um, we'll get this podcast out Um and all things being equal, you will get a chance to listen to it before they start at 3 p.m. That is 2 p.m. Queensland time as well. Um, on the back of what was a very disappointing three-day test match to start with, Tristan, what have you got for the market? Australia v. India. Yeah, the Indians have firmed up after that performance. They're into a $1.43 clear favourites. Uh, Australia are $3.90 and the draw is $8. So... Um, yeah, the Indians very, very firm. The you know, like the Aussies, obviously, just such a disappointing batting performance. Um, it'll be interesting what, if any, team changes are made. You'd have to expect there'll be some some movement there. But uh, yeah, the Indians very firm. We've got uh, over a hundred markets up on the match. Just having a look at a couple of the key ones. High back for Australia, Steve Smith. He just looked a class above everyone else. Probably Barmanis, Lubbershane. It's three dollars thirty and three eighty respectively, and then. We're going to need to see a couple of these guys find a bit of form. Where Usman Kawaja, he, he looked very rusty out there. $5. David Warner, $5.25. Travis Head, will he get back into that side? He's $6.50. Peter Hanscom, I actually thought, um, performed quite well, in, particularly in that first inning. So it'll be interesting what happens there. $7.50. And then Matt Renshaw at $10 with Cam Green at $12. Jimmy, on a serious note, surely... Um, some major questions have to be asked after that performance. And I'm just not sure that there's as much focus as could be. I, I guess the Australian cricket team's always been a darling of um, our media at times, but that was just an absolute horrible performance. And I know that they've got a couple of key guys that are still at home and weren't there, but you know, right from the start of selection and then just um, their offering, the attitude just looked incredibly off. Yeah, the really interesting part from my point of view, Jared, is 
Um, and whilst the, the they might be a darling of the media, I tell you what, the sporting public can turn very quickly, and you get that by the text line and the phone calls when you you do a radio show because you know people are very strong with their opinions. But my disappointment was around how impacted Australia seemed to be about what may or may not have been happening with the pitch. Now the photos that came through from Barat Sundarayan, you know, were, were quite incredible. You know, certain parts of the pitch being watered, others not you know, why they weren't the left arm spinners with the, the left-handed bats and all that sort of thing. But in reality, when you look at the manner of dismissal, you know, that they weren't beaten by a pitch that was doing, you know, crazy things. They were, they just played bad cricket shots yep. and, and, and seemed very unsure of themselves. It felt like they were jumping at shadows that weren't there. They created the shadows for them to jump at. And, and I think Tristan, you know, that, that, lack of experience with Andrew McDonald and the way he needed to approach that, I think came back to bite them. Oh, absolutely. And and I don't know whether they replaced the pitch halfway through the, 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 uh, the test match, because mm. obviously India didn't see those, those yep. issues. But I, I think when you see images of David Warner batting right-handed in the nets, um, you know, that just shows how, how much these pitches had got into the team's head and, and, yep. You know, like there was, there was so much said about not getting over there early and, and trying to prepare themselves in Australia. But, geez, it just seemed like there was a, a lack of confidence. And even the, the fact that Travis Head, which, you know, like you, you can take a you, – you can look at it from a couple of ways. Obviously, his performance in, in India has, hasn't been great previously. But having someone there full of confidence that might have been able to come out, um, you know, get, get on top of that bowling, change the momentum early in the test match uh, – I, I think that just showed the mentality we were going in. We were going in with um, with, with almost a negative mindset and, and concern yeah. about things that may or may not have been there, and we, we probably made them into bigger issues. So now it's a key of how the how the team bounces back because uh, the, the 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 second innings in particular particular was an absolute capitulation, and and um, and, and unless we can uh, find uh, something over the next few days, it could be a very very long series. Yeah, the price is there for the true believers, isn't it? Uh, if you are wanting to back Australia on that one. It made for fascinating watching on Saturday afternoon, didn't it? Like the footy was on, the racing was on. I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching the cricket. Like the cricket was, I, I couldn't take my eyes off that or obviously flicking over every now and then for the race. But um, that that was the focus for me, just a capitulation from the Australian side. All right, Jared. sorry to do it. Um, we're going to ask you to right now look back on what you felt Super Bowl 57 and the key moments of the uh, of the match. Well, I have to say, Jimmy, it will go down in history as one of the great Super Bowls ever. I'm going to end up with 78 points, 35 all going in the last couple of minutes. Uh, it was just a fascinating, cracking game. We saw the num- number one seeds from both sides of the draw. And they delivered. You know, often we sort of look at that expectation. I mean, uh, the numbers now coming out of the US in the last couple of days, the third most watched show ever in US history. Not just sport, but US TV history. And lo and behold, at halftime with Rihanna doing her show, that was the highest number of viewers of the whole game. So clearly so many people um, around social functions knew when Rihanna was on and and tuned in. Uh, Listen, I personally thought that the Eagles, it was a massive choke. Um, I thought that second half, they just went right away from what was so strong for them in the first half. They had 22 minutes with the football in the first half, kept uh, the Chiefs and, importantly, their quarterback, Mahomes, off the field. I thought the second half, they just went about leading with a 10-point lead going into that, uh, wanting to try and protect the game and moved away from 
the attacking uh, mindset that they'd had uh, to, I thought, a defensive one. A couple of really negative fourth down calls, I thought, from the coach who was prepared to attack in the first half. A couple of horrible punts, one in particular that turned the game. Um, and the last thing you want to do is give Andy Reid and Mahomes an opportunity. Now, the one thing about uh, Mahomes, I know that we, we love his flashing brilliance, but he just played a high percentage conservative game. He went 12 from 13 in the second half. The first three times that they got the ball, he scored uh, touchdowns. And it was all about let's just be really smart and wear this down and take it to the end. It always looked like it was going to be a last possession game. That's how it turned out. But I've got to take my, my uh, cap off to Andy Reid. I thought he absolutely won half time. He got their heads right. His call plays in the second half clearly are outstanding. I mean, he, he'll go down as one of the great coaches of history in NFL. He's just an absolute outstanding character. I mean, I love the interview the day after about how did he celebrate. Well, you know, he always talks about having a cheeseburger or a pizza, and that's exactly what he did. He sat down with a nice pizza and with his family and, and had a chuckle. And, yeah, to the victor go to spoils, Jimmy. It uh, looks like not the first time he sat down to a cheeseburger and a pizza too, uh, just looking at uh, Andy Reid. And and the, the really interesting thing about it too, Tristan, is this, that Jalen Hurts comes out of that. And yes, there was a really crucial fumble that in the end you could say cost them the Super Bowl, but he comes out of that as a losing quarterback and might have even enhanced his reputation, um, which is amazing for the for this young guy who is on the rise. You get the sense they'll be back there. Not easy to get back there, we know that, but you get the sense that Philadelphia – will be back there. But uh, the other thing you need to uh, appreciate too, I think is, you know, around Patrick Mahomes and, and the skill set and the athleticism and the ability to, you know, the sidearm passes and the accuracy and all of that. But you've got to appreciate the resilience. Remember when he first did that high ankle sprain, the desperation to get back into the game and he got back into the game. And then there was a situation there in the Super Bowl. You thought, wow, if he's out, well, that's it. The game's over. The game's over. And again, he comes back into the game Um and, and plays with that poise despite the fact he's he's got an injury. It, it's, so what is he now? He's a two-time MVP. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner. He's played in three Super Bowls. You start looking at the side of the, the conference that he's in, and you could probably say they're going to be conference champions five out of the next 10 years. You're looking at a bloke who's going to put some incredible numbers up. Oh, for sure. And and to be able to do it with the the, the group of youngsters that yes. they had playing this year and with, with the draft picks they've got to come, it certainly looks like they've got a lot ahead of them as well. So uh, it's exciting times for Kansas City uh, fans. And you're right, I, I, I think Jalen Hurts, yeah, there was that crucial fumble, but he, he came back and he, he even following that, he still made some crucial plays. Ultimately, it wasn't quite enough, but um, you know, I certainly think he enhanced his reputation. So they're certainly going to be there or thereabouts uh, going forward as well. But that injury right on halftime, like we, uh, we we did take quite a sizable bet on Kansas plus a start at halftime, and I was very comfortable laying that bet. Not 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 that I probably ever felt that Mahomes um, was not going to come out in the second half. I thought he was, you know, always going to be out there on the field, but I just thought his mobility and his movement would have to be impacted. And the run he made, I think it was on third down on the first yep. drive in the yeah. third quarter. That that just oh, I, I immediately changed my whole outlook on the game. At that point, you said, "Well, he, he's moving fine. He, you know, whether he was needled up or whatever the case was, it was just a fantastic and crucial run." And and it just took all of the uh, the wind out of the Philly sails because you'd have to imagine halftime at their end, they're probably 
considering how they might have to play a different um, style, Patrick Mahomes. And obviously then when he, he ran the ball like he, like he always did, it obviously put them back on the back foot. So that really, uh, in my mind, put the impetus back on the Kansas City side of things. And, and yeah, they're, they're certainly, certainly going to be very hard to beat over the next few years as well. Great well, season. Uh, oh, sorry, Jerry. Well, ju- well, just on the back of that, Jimmy, I mean, they had 10 rookies. You know, there's only 11 guys that were in that list from when they won the Super Bowl um, four years ago. I mean, it's just been amazing list management. And to then get those young rookies to perform the way they have and now, um, you know, be able to come away with the Super Bowl. It's an outstanding uh, operation from top to bottom, not just Reed, but clearly, you know, their GM, you know, all of their list management. And I think they go, as Tristan just touched on, they go into this next draft with something like 10 or 11 high quality picks. I mean, gee. Yeah. And and the owners too deserve credit. The Hunt family, they're, they're another one of these, you know, good ownership groups, know exactly what they're doing, turn it over to the people who are in those yep. positions. So, so that all works from that point of view. That's right. Those 10 or 11 rookies from this year come back next year and they're Super Bowl winners. And we know what impact that can have in, in other sports around that. So, yeah, it might be a, a dynasty, as the Americans like to say. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, I can't believe the numbers went up for Rihanna. I mean, seriously, that was as boring as – anyway, maybe it's just me. but oh, uh, I'd probably uh, tend to agree with you there, Jimmy. But one yeah. thing I wanted to get your, your thoughts on, guys, was – a lot was made, and probably the only thing that disappointed me out of the game was the the, the holding penalty that's had so much discussion late in the match. And um, you know, wh- where where was your thoughts there? And I think you two might have differing opinions on on where this one sits. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I, that was probably the only disappointing thing from my my end that uh, one call um, probably dominated the headlines at the back end of it. But where, where did you guys sit on that one? I, I thought it, technically the call was right. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the right call in the in the scheme of the game? I didn't think so, no. And, you know, they'd left that stuff alone all game. You know, to pull it out with uh, under two minutes to go, you know, technically, yes, you're going to justify it. But, you know, what would have been amazing would have been, uh, had that call not been made, it was then a fourth down uh, kick at goal. The, the Chiefs would have kicked the field goal. They would have been three in front, but we would have had one and a half minutes left on the clock to see whether Hertz was good enough. And that I would have liked to have seen played out uh, as a true finish to the game. Unfortunately, it went the other way and Andy Reid was able to use the clock, wind it down and um, off they went with the victory. See how they're talking about a quarterback sneak because it's impossible to stop Jalen Hurts. The quarterback sneak, yep. they're thinking, well, we need to rule it out. We need to change the rules on that one because it, you know, they're just impossible to stop. Yeah, so the fumble from Hurts, the Sipos kick, um, where Tony returned at 70 yards and yes. the Bradbury, the Bradbury uh, grab, as you say, um, technically, yes. But um, I, I like uh, Greg Olson, who I've sort of got into this year a bit more, and I don't know whether he's going to be there next year if Tom Brady says I'm coming into the box. But what a great caller he is. I don't love that call is a really nice way of saying, oh, no, not now in a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's um, it, it, it was a big call. And as you say, uh, Jared, it probably technically went the right way. 
uh, from my point of view, I thought it was an outstanding call. So well done. And and w- what about Greg Olson, Jimmy? He's been an absolute find, hasn't he? I just yeah. loved his commentary all year long, and and the week after week, I I just got more engaged with uh, his insights. And I thought he, he nailed the moment right. You know, he uh, he didn't tip a bucket, but he he sort of made the point that gee, was that the right call for this moment? But he, he's a standout. I hope he's either on the Fox Network somewhere in a similar role or somewhere else because he's just a talent. Yeah, I'm sure he will be um, because it's interesting because uh, Greg Olsen, you go, oh, okay, who's this bloke? You know, hasn't got the profile of an Aikman or um, uh, 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 Tony Romo, but oh, I thought he, I, I really like really like listening to Greg Olsen. L- lastly, Jimmy, I uh, um, I have a uh, NFL Game Pass um, subscription each year and so I watched the uh, Super Bowl live on the NFL network, and so I got the benefit of all the US ads all the oh, way wow. through. Oh, I got to tell you, there were some absolute rippers. I mean, no wonder they pay, you know, seven million dollars or whatever ever it is for each thirty-second slot. But the money and the thought that went into some of those ads was absolutely outstanding. It was. Uh, I was sitting there at times, uh, just absolutely giggling at how clever they were. Uh, it's it's peak advertising, isn't it? Uh, amazing. All right, um, we're going to get into an NRL preseason. So uh, we have got, I think it's eight sides that we're looking yeah, at we, we today, Jared. So um, why don't we start off? We're, we're going to start with the Broncos. So uh, let's have a look at the Broncos and and what they're doing for season 2023. Uh, Jock Madden, Tyson Smoothie, Martin Tapau, Reese Walsh, new players at the club this year. A few losses coming out. Tamare Martin, Jake uh, Turpin, Tessie New, uh, Ryan James has retired. Um, a really interesting look, a team that was five weeks ago in the top four, Tristan. I'd love to know the thoughts on the market around the Broncos and, and all the differing options for season 2023. Yeah, well, we, we've um, been working away on some futures markets uh, for the for the last few weeks, and we've got a few more to come out again um, as we get a little bit closer to the season. In the next week, we'll have a, have another myriad of markets up, including the over and under season wins. But just looking at the outright winner market, so the Broncos are twenty one dollars to win it all. Um, there to finish in the top eight, they're a dollar seventy two. Top four, they are one. Uh, they are four dollars. So they're sort of on the betting side of it, just expected to make the top eight. But as you say, there's been a little bit of movement in that camp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. They've actually been back from $1.90 into $1.72 to make the top eight since Ooh. December when we opened the market. So there has been a bit of uh, movement on the on the Broncos to overperform where we originally set the market at. As I walk into the Broncos, Jimmy, I guess just for listeners' um, benefit, we'll do eight teams today in no particular order. We'll do another eight next week in our preview. And next week, we'll also touch on our longer-term forecasts. And uh, as we have done in each preseason in the last couple of years, Tristan offers up some outstanding markets, in particular uh, a team to overachieve the benchmark um, and uh, some great betting options there. The Broncos being well-backed, um, I think one of the things that's a little bit hidden here is how difficult a draw they have. On my strength of schedule analysis, I think they've got the toughest draw, uh, if not of any team in the competition this year, because they, they've got 10 games against the teams that I rate as my top six. Uh, they only have one game against the bottom three, uh, that they might get the option to pay, play twice. So we know that there's a lot of inequity around the draw. In addition to that, they've also got only five against um, 
uh, last year's bottom four. So it's a difficult draw. They get the benefit of seven-day turnarounds. They get the uh, benefit of playing a lot of Thursday and Friday night games. Bit of a clean out with the list. They've probably now got one more spot that they've got to fill, and we'll probably hear more about that in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, Walsh is a big in. Uh, I think Tapao's a great pickup. You know, they've got the best front rower in the competition, <clears throat> possibly one of the best halfbacks in the competition. They just need a lot of game time out of... Um, out of Renault. Um, it, it, we saw the impact in the opening weeks last year, but he's at the back end of his career. Again, he's got a tight back at the moment. You know, he's, he's um, being rested through different training sessions. They need him on the park. I think um, his combination with uh, Ezra Mam at six is great. Walsh at fullback. I'm not sure about number nine. Difficult draw. My biggest question mark is is certainly about nine, about Renault playing. I have them borderline and probably making the eight. Uh, but they need to overachieve against that draw. Yeah, I got pretty much the similar stuff to you. I think Reese Walsh is the really important part of this puzzle for this year. You know, we know his best footy is is elite. You know, it's state of origin quality, and if he can find that at the Broncos and he's settled, um, then that's great. There are signs that he's not settled, and that's that's a little bit of concern. Add to that the injury that he's picked up out of the first week of the the. Uh, Pre-season challenge is a concern. But when you look at their three-quarter line, Oates, Farnworth, Stags, Cobbo, like it's it, – and throw Walsh into that. It's it's laced with talent. It's yep. – but you just get the feeling that, you know, Hooker is an issue and, and Reynolds is an issue. You look at the South Sydney decision now and you say the South Sydney decision wasn't about year one. It was about no. year two and mostly about year three. And year – Year two starts with Renault with back tightness, not being able to play the last game. And that that is the one that is of concern. They've got a really talented forward pack, as you mentioned, but I'm not sure that talent takes you all the way. Um, I still think there's question marks about the coaching of Kevin Walters as well. And I'm not sure what they're doing from a management point of view where they, they look like they want to... Um, you know, uh, sign him up for another couple of years. I find that extraordinary. I've got the Broncos missing the eight um, for season uh, 2023. All right, let's have a look at the Raiders. Uh, disappointing uh, their first trial game down there at uh, Maruya. Um, they've got uh, a couple of ins, Basami Solo and Danny Levi. The losses, Adam Elliott, Josh Hodgson didn't play a whole heap. Obviously, Ryan Sutton is another one. Charles Nickel star is over to the Warriors as well. What's the market on this one, Tristan? Yeah, this this one is uh is, is a similar sort of price point to what we just spoke about with the Broncos. They're twenty one dollars into nineteen to win the comp, uh, and in the in the top eight side of things, they're sitting there at a dollar ninety five, which is interesting because they're a shorter price than the Broncos, but they're a little bit longer to make the top eight, and there hasn't been much activity on that market just yet to make the top four. They are sitting there at four dollars sixty. So. I think Jared will comment on the draw shortly, but uh, yeah, the 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 Raiders, um, you know, they're right on that borderline. So they showed glimpses of, of some really good football there last year, and they showed some glimpses of some pretty ordinary stuff too. So it'll be interesting what sort of off season they've had. Well, I ended up making the eight last year, squeaking in. But the key thing is that last six weeks when they got Fogarty back, we saw. Mm what they're capable of, and they're able to beat good teams with good football. Um, so that's about where I think the benchmark is. Uh, then uh, I think Elliot and Sutton are the two key outs for mine, but uh, Sulo that they've picked up from the Knights, Jimmy, there's um, big raps on this kid as a front rower, potentially can play back row, but he's very highly thought of. Uh, the other big 
key here, though, folks, is they have just the most outstanding draw. You could not have sat down and written a draw as soft as this. They've got the highest number of uh, games against um, the weaker teams of last season, the least number of games against the top-rated teams. They also only travel six times. Uh, they've just got a fantastic draw, and I think that if they play to their level of expectation on the back of that draw, then I certainly see them making the top eight. They've now lost Savage uh, with an injury out the start of the season out of the trial, which is not good news. Um, but I certainly see them making the eight. Um, I did speculate a few weeks ago and back them at back then it was about six bucks to make the top four. Um, now four dollars sixty. I certainly think if a dollar ninety five to make the eight is a great bet. Yeah, I've got them out of my eight. Um, I take your point around Fogarty, um, and and he has been a key. And and when he came back, I think they went twelve of sixteen uh, when he came back for the last back end of of last year. Uh, Xavier Savage is a concern because there's no natural feel at fullback, albeit it might be only for a couple of couple of weeks with that facial fracture. But Jordan Rabinat could go to the back. Um, you know, Fogarty with Whiten is such a nice balance in the halves, isn't it? The running game of, yep. of Whiten with the control of Fogarty. I still think there's a there's a question mark around the aging of their forward pack with Whitehead and Papalihi and uh, et cetera. Um, Hudson Young's the watch, isn't he? Like he, he just exploded back end of last year. Yep. It was probably unlucky not to go on a kangaroo tour. It certainly wouldn't look out of place on that one. Um, I've got the Raiders finishing outside the top eight for mine. Oh, in saying that, there's a couple of uh, provisos I'll have on that. I, I'm making a presumption that Tommy T plays more than 20 games. So, um, and and that will have an impact on, I reckon there's six or seven sides that are vying for anywhere from sixth to 13th uh, is the way I see it. All right, let's have a look at the Newcastle Knights. Uh, they're another side of great interest during the course of season 2023. Another one of these sides that we tend to read about a lot. Adam Elliott is there. Jack Hetherington, Jackson Hastings is a big in. Tyson Gamble. Uh, and maybe the last piece of the puzzle is Lockie Miller to play in that fullback position. No Mitch Barnett, uh, Barnett no uh, Anthony Milford, no Chris Randall, and of course, no Pasami Sola, who we just mentioned has gone to the Canberra Raiders. What's the market saying on the Knights, Tristan? The market is saying the Knights are going to have a tough old year there. Um, you know, and we spoke this time last year where we were uh, we were talking up or talking down the Knights' chances, um, and this and the market probably hadn't shifted in that direction. But now the market certainly does have them a, a fair way down the leaderboard. They're sixty-seven dollars to win the comp, out from fifty-one uh, to make the top eight. We have got the Knights there second uh, second outside is at five dollars fifty to make the eight now. We've had Jimmy on, on both of these two prior teams to come out and say he thinks they'll both miss the eight. We do have a miss the eight market. Obviously, the night's very, very firm at $1.14 in that space. So we've got make and miss for all top four and top eight. Probably this one's relevant to have a look at. Unfortunately for Knights fans, they are second favourite to win the spoon. They're $5 there in the least season wins market. So, um, yeah, there's been a bit of a shuffle around of some players. I'm interested to see how Jackson Hastings goes there. But, yeah, from a betting point of view, they certainly look like they're going to struggle. Well, and I can't disagree with any of those markets either, Tristan. I think you've absolutely nailed all of those, and and they're right. I mean, um, I I was against them last year. They ended up 14th, um, uh, leaking 27 points a week. Defence has been a massive issue for the last couple of years. 
Uh, Hastings is a plus. Elliot is a plus. Miller at the back is good. Big focus on Ponga at six. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to be against them. You know, they, they were losing at home. They were losing away. They're leaking points. I don't think uh, the coach lasts a season. Um, and I think the Knights are a bottom three side for mine. Coach under pressure. Totally agree with that one. I think Hastings is a good fit for Ponga there at 5'8". But I don't like Ponga at 5'8". I don't like the fact that you can't get as much as you want out of Caelan Ponga in that fullback. I think you get more out of Caelan Ponga at fullback. You know, it, it's got that sense of, oh, Kalen, what can we do for you? Rather than, Kalen, you've got to do this for us. Um, and, and that's a concern. Um, Miller's a good player, but he's he's not Kalen Ponga. And you're putting him at the back, I think, to satisfy Kalen as opposed to satisfy the team. That's always a concern for me. Um, I think the ageing forward pack is a concern as well. Um, Barnett's been a good player for a long time for the Newcastle Knights, and he's a significant out. I've got them running 16th, Newcastle. Uh, I've got them having another tough season. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of running down the bottom of the pack, uh, up next, we're going to have a look at the Dolphins. Um, Wayne has not really been able to secure the elite player that he has been looking for. And obviously every player is new to the club this year. Probably the standouts, Jesse Bromwich, uh, Kenny Bromwich, uh, Jeremy Marshall King is going to be key. Anthony Milford is there, but this is a fascinating one, Tristan, and the way the market perceives the Dolphins. Yeah, and uh, obviously Wayne's seen enough in all the previous trials and matches from the Dolphins players. Don't have to worry to turn up to their Uh-oh. first trial game uh, last weekend. But uh, yeah, the Dolphins are $81 to win the comp. Obviously, I don't think anyone will be expecting that in season one. They're $3 to win the most or to win the spoon or the least season wins market. They are the favourite in that option. If you think they can get a run on early to make the top eight, they are $7. So Obviously, uh, yeah, they're, 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 there's been much spoken about the roster and they haven't been able to get those draw draw card players and they are sort of at the foot of the table in all betting markets at the moment. Yeah, I, I think we're in an age with this competition right now that a startup team is absolutely up against it. It's going to be a really tough uh, first to second year for mine. Um, and as you touched on, Jimmy, they haven't been able to nail a key standout marquee player. Um, it's a good list. They've got experience. They've got culture. They've got a great coach. He's the right man to get things going. I think the key positive out of what they might do this year is unearth some quality young talent. You know, we saw uh, Brenton Bira last weekend on the left edge, you know, amazing fly to catch and score. Uh, he'll play some first grade this year and they're the sort of guys I'm looking forward to come through. But for mine, uh, very lowly rated. Um, I think depth is going to be an issue. It's, once they start to pick up injuries, um, I think they're really going to struggle. And I would have thought $3 for the spoon was well overs. Yeah, he managed expectations early on, Wayne, didn't he? He said, oh, we won't run last. I thought, wow, <laughs> that must be comforting to the people who employ you. But uh, look, they probably should have had a chance to go to the market earlier. Um, and that might be around the NRL that was, or, or whether they got salary cap concessions, you know, to get to get people there because you're right, it's a watch, isn't it? You know, it's a uh, we're going to have to take our time with this one, and a lot of the players they have don't have time, so um, I think it's really tough for them. I think they struggle. Um, I wouldn't mind, um, yeah, a little bit of that three dollars for the the most losses for the for the Dolphins, unfortunately for them. All right, let's have a look at the next one. Uh, oh. I don't know if there's a team over the course of the preseason, indeed any preseason, that is written about and spoken about as much as the West Tigers. John Bateman, Appy Corusau, and of course Isaiah Papali here. The three big ins. For, well, eventually they'll be an in uh, with John Bateman. Uh, lots of outs, including 
Jackson Hastings. Uh, and Kelma Tuolangi, who was a player who played some good footy for them last year, has gone to the Seagulls. What's the market saying on the Tigers, Tristan? Yeah, there has been a lot of uh, talk about the Tigers and their expected improvement, particularly with those key signings. Uh, as, a, as a Titans fan, we're just hopeful that he, uh, Bateman's arrival might be delayed a couple of extra weeks So, uh, <laughs> with the Titans playing the Tigers in week one. But uh, $51 about the Tigers to win the comp. The top eight, they are sitting there at $4.20. So despite all the expected improvement, they are still $4.20 to make the top eight in the betting markets. The least season wins market, they're $10. So um, they, they have drifted out significantly in that. And one that you might want to have a look at if you are having a wager and you think the Tigers are going to improve, we've got a most improved team market, which pays on the team's total regular season points minus their handicap, which is what their 2022 season points are. So basically it's looking at the team which uh, improves the most on their their, their total uh, regular season points from last year. So it's a good little market to investigate. And the, the Tigers are second favourites in that one at $3.80. Well, clearly the Tigers are the clickbait heroes of uh, online media at the moment because uh, <laughs> it is story after story after story, Jimmy. You're so right. Uh, listen, there's been a clean out of their list. Um, there's been some key ins. They have picked up four high-quality ins that are going to make a significant difference, in particular uh, Coruscant and, and Papali. Uh, Clemmer will be very good for them up front. They've got new coaches. Tim Sheen's at the front. Uh, I've got no doubt that Benji Marshall is actually pulling a lot of the strings. Um, my biggest question is their halves. You know, does Brooks aim up? Does that combination with Dewey work? Uh, well, to date, it hasn't. Um, and, mm. you know, a lot of focus around Brooks. The other key issue, and, gee, it didn't look any different in their opening trial, which probably doesn't mean a, a lot, but their defence for the last two seasons has been horrible. Uh, it's about attitude. They keep leaking 28 points a week for the last two seasons. That's got to be a massive improvement. Um, I uh, I don't think they've got a great draw either. They don't travel well. You know, listen, I've got them somewhere around 10th or 12th, um, and I think there's a lot of focus on them, and they need to start the season well to try and get that monkey off their back. Yeah, you mentioned Coruscant, uh, Papalihi and Clemmer, obviously uh, great inclusion. So I think that they underestimate how good Jackson Hastings was for them during the, you know, those couple of wins they have, they don't have them without Jackson. So that that's a concern from my point of view. A question mark around the coaching. Um, I think Benji Marshall's a winner, but he's coached no one. And that first up contact defensively against the Warriors, I know half the side, more than half the side, might be playing in the NRL, but it's representative of what's been going on throughout the club. Defence was not a focus, and it didn't look pretty against the Warriors. I've got the Tigers finishing 15th. I want to ask you, who is the shortest price in that most improved market, Tristan? I'm going to say, is it the Bulldogs? The Bulldogs, they Bulldogs, are just yeah. slight favourites at $3.60 over the Tigers at three eighty. Yeah, that that seemed about right to me. All right, let's have a look at the Dragons. Uh, Jacob Little's there. Michael Molo confirmed. Ben Murdoch, Masilla, and Zane Musgrove are ins. A couple of outs. Uh, Andrew McCulloch has retired. Josh McGuire has gone. Tarek Sims has gone. George Burgess has retired. (laughs) Another popular team within media circles. What's happening with the Dragons' prices, Tristan? Yeah, probably popular for the other reasons, unfortunately, in this offseason, the Dragons. And there's been a lot spoken about how, uh, you know, they've lost players. Obviously, Cody Ramsey uh, out for the season and then uh, a few other off-field issues as well. $71 they are to win the comp. They're the second biggest outsiders. The lease wins market. They're sitting there third pick at $6. And to make the top eight, they are um, $4. So, you know, they, 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 they performed okay at various times throughout the course of the year, but I think it was on the back of Ben Hunt just lifting up and carrying them. Is he able to do that again this year? Have they 
improved in any areas? Um, you know, are they going as bad as what the uh, the media is reporting in the off season? It's probably going to sit somewhere in the middle, but yeah, it certainly does look on the on the betting side of things, it's going to be a tough year for Dragons fans. Yeah, I think they're going backwards, and mm. you know, I thought they were a, a low team last year. Um, overall, it's a weaker list than it was last year. Uh, Jimmy, I'm surprised that not one of the three of us has actually got a tap on the shoulder yet because they need players. Uh, yeah, the Rams is a massive out. You know, the kid had a breakout season last year that are really going to miss him. You know, uh, Amon's now sitting on the sideline. Don't know if he'll be back. Around that, they've got key issues. I mean, if if uh, Mbai is your answer at six, I'm not sure what the question was. Um, They've got, you know, no quality at number nine for mine. Uh, I've got them marked down about 20% on where I had them last year, and that was bottom four. Uh, again, another team that leak a lot of points. But the other thing is they also don't score points. You know, they, they average 18 points a week for the last two years. That does not win you many games. The coach won't last. He won't get sacked, but he won't be reappointed. They're bottom three, if not bottom two. Yeah, all those things too, right? Uh, those players, the unavailability. Uh, unavailability. Um, Jaden Sullivan, Bud Sullivan has that serious hamstring injury too. So who knows going to be partnering Ben Hunt in the halves uh, first couple of weeks of the of the competition. So um, yeah, there just seems to be stumbling block after stumbling block, isn't it, for the Dragons? I, I don't know any of the positive stuff that's coming out of the joint, which is a, a real concern. I think the coach is under enormous pressure. Uh, it's an unforgiving fan base as well too um, and and almost rightly so but there's nothing fresh about what the Dragons are doing and the fact that everyone turned up to a free feed and free grog pre-Christmas is is a you know positive sign for the club I think is a real concern I know they were 12 and 12 last year but you're right it was I, there were games we saw where Ben Hunt did it on his own. Um, it, for him to have that same type of season again would be quite extraordinary. Um, I've got them finishing 12th, and I think I'm being uh, a little kind to the Dragons on that one. The Eels made the grand final and, of course, um, outplayed by the Panthers on that day, but probably overachieved a little bit. Josh Hodgson is the big in for them for season 2023, but they got some significant outs. Oregon Kafusi, Reed Marnie, Murata Niakore, uh, and of course, uh, Isaiah Papalihi, amongst uh, a host of others who have walked out the door at the Eels. Where's the market got the runners-up from 2022, Tristan? Yeah, well, they're certainly uh, not on that most improved team list because they're, they've drifted out the gate in the betting. They're sitting there at $16 to uh, win the comp, and they are sixth, seventh favourite in that market despite making the grand final. They are actually the second biggest roughies in the most improved market down there at 150 to one uh, to make the top eight. They're they're expected to make it, but only just a dollar seventy. So certainly, uh, certainly dollar seventy, and and to miss the eight, they're sitting there at two dollars. So that is a lot tighter in betting than what you'd expect from a uh, a team that made last year's grand final. There's some key outs there. Obviously, Josh Hodgson, if if he can play the season, then it won't. The loss of Reed Marnie won't be as impactful. But Reed Marnie's such a key player to that side and. You know, just going off Hodgson's uh, last couple of years, there probably isn't a guarantee that he will get through that season. So um, I think that's going to be their biggest loss, along with Isaiah Papalihi. But yeah, certainly from a market point of view, they are expected to regress. Jimmy, I'll be happy to bet that your uh, Mondays this season will be absolutely full of Dragons <laughs> and Eels supporters. 
jumping on the call line, all the SMS to talk about what happened on the weekend, because I do think that the Eels are a significant risk of missing the eight this year. I do not have them in my eight. I think that's a massive slide. Grand finalists last year, I thought they overachieved. They've lost over 140 games in experience with those guys who played over 140 games of first grade last year, walking out the door. Uh, I don't see where the depth and replacement is. Um, they've got a really difficult draw. Um, I've rated them down about 25% on where I had them last year. Um, sitting mid-table might fall into the eight. I'm betting against it. They do. I've backed them to miss the eight. Um, for mine, the Eels, uh, a major question uh, all season long. All right. Well, I've got the Eels in my eight. Um, I think there's a there's a fall, but not to the degree that you're anticipating. So Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, Clint Gutherson are all still there. So the, the, the key guys in the team are all still there. Josh Hodgson will make a presumption that he does play, and he, he's going to be interesting for the makeup of the side too. Because remember, in that year with the Canberra Raiders, when he was able to go to he, he started at nine, and then he could go to 13, and then he would go to seven as well too. So that gives you that coverage that he didn't have previously. Um, Brad Arthur, and we know Brad Arthur sides, and, and you know, say what you like about him from an attack point of view. Defensively, they're always there. I know there's no Papa Lee, but Murchie and Hopgood come in as reasonable cover. I actually think they can um, make the eight. I've got them finishing fifth this year, um, but that might be where you and I differ on that one. We'll see how it plays out. The final team that we're looking at today, it is a team that is very close to the heart of one of us here. Kieran Foran, Chris Randall, Joe Stimson, uh, <clears throat> Aaron Shop have all joined the team. Uh, Jermaine Asako, Herman S.A.S.A., Corey Thompson, Greg Marzu, amongst others, Kevin Proctor, uh, out of the toilet cubicle at halftime and over to Wakefield Trinity. So tell you what, some amazing photos going around on social media during the course of the week. Uh, I think Tristan Merlihan won the long drive competition there for the mm-hmm. Titans on the announcement of the extension of the top sport sponsorship. Uh, for the well, tights. I think the e- even better photos was, uh, and you need to go and look at it, folks, is Tristan modelling the shorts um, for the Titans <laughs> in the last couple of days. That was just outstanding. Yeah, that one's on a different platform, uh, Jared, but it's, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very exciting day out there and it was a great day out there with a few of the boys. We did have a long drive competition and got a bit of content out there and we are on the uh, on the short, the playing shorts this year, which is uh, which is exciting for all involved. And uh, yeah, the, the, the Titans, they do such a great, job off the field, but uh, now the the true test would be how they perform on the field. And the market certainly still has them uh, well, it has them at $51 to win the comp. They are actually a third favourite in the most improved team at $11. So the market is suggesting they are going to improve on what has to be said was a very, very disappointing uh, season last year. I think everyone's in agreement on, on where that was. But, you know, are, are these signings going to help them get to that next level? I think the one that to me is absolutely key and vital is the is the is the inclusion of Verrills. I think he's going to be a massive inclusion. I think Ooh. nine there and, and even having the backup of, of Randall as well is going to be really important, which neither of them played in the trial in the week just gone. Uh top eight, they are still four dollars twenty to make the eight. So they're still very much expected not to make the top eight. I'm expecting to see them improve, uh, whether it'll be enough to get them into the finals. I think one thing that um, hearing a lot of the talk around town, what they've been really focused on in, in, the, in the off-season, which I think is key, is trying to improve that defence. I think they had lots of lapses there in the season just gone, and they've, they've brought in Brett White from Canberra, who uh, who will be looking to really uh, solidify that, uh, that, that defensive group along with Dallas Johnson. So they made some good signings off the field as well, which uh, hopefully will improve the Titans' chances.
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of learnings for them to take out of last year. The good thing is that we saw that their ownership and their boardroom stood firm and have backed the coach in. They didn't panic. Uh, there's a good clean out of the list and good key changes. Listen, foreign for mine is absolute um, a winner and a positive signing for them. And I hope they get a lot of games out of him at number six, but even his influence off field um, in the lead up in the preseason and then week in, week out, the guy knows his way around a football field. Um, Brett White, significant um, signing. He comes from the storm system a lot of years under Ricky Stewart. He takes over the role uh, looking after their D. Uh, that's very important. They've got a good draw. Certainly, they need to make improvement. Again, the key focus is defence. They leaked 28 points a week last year. Some uh, games, they just rolled over horribly in the second half. Uh, I expect them to improve. I think they're somewhere around mid-table, maybe around the 10th to 12th mark. Maybe they challenge a little higher. Uh, I think they're in for a better year and certainly a key watch for mine. Yeah, I wondered why I couldn't get any of the Titans Kool-Aid down here in New South Wales. I think it was all being delivered to the top sport offices. Uh, certainly a lot been drunk by one of us on this <laughs> on this podcast. But um, look, I, I, I think Kieran Foran as a footballer and, uh, you know, uh, fantastic to have within your club. Let's hope they get plenty of games out of him. Um, the AJ Brimson one at the back is interesting. Uh, where Where's his best position? How do you work that out with, uh, you know, young Campbell and and Foran and Sexton and Brimson within those key position players. I agree, Verrills is a, is an improvement there. Fafita's the great unknown, uh, and there's a lot of money being spent on the great unknown. I I don't have them improving dramatically. Uh, I've got the Gold Coast Titans finishing 14th. So that'll be the last side that we look at today. We'll do the remaining nine sides next week in the lead up to the NRL season. Now we better get ourselves a bet for this uh, weekend. Jared, have you got one into the, into the world club challenge? Jimmy, I do. And, uh, and I'm very keen about the Panthers uh, at home. Outstanding record there. They'll have a full house. They've won 27 in the last 29 when they play there and mm. outstanding record at covering the line. It should be a good matchup, but I'm just not sure that St. Helens uh, are going to be at this level in the heat. Uh, against a very good opponent at home. Very keen about the Panthers. Uh, the Lions, nine and a half. Anything under 20, very keen to play. Dollar eighty-seven at top sport. Certainly that's my best for the week. Looking forward to that game, but I do think the Panthers do look too strong. I've heard about it. I don't know if I've ever experienced it, but when you've had a big win at the casino and you walk out and you're just tossing, you know, $50,000 chips at, at croupiers just for the, the help that they've given. I feel a little bit like that with this lunch bet. Oh, the more I hear about it, and everyone seems to be tipping against St. Helens and being able to cover the 19 and a half. But given I've got lunch bets coming in left, right and centre over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to take you on here, Jared. I'm going to go. No, you're not. No, you're not. I've got a new rule, Jimmy. Oh, I thought, here we you, go. I, th I thought you got the memo, mate. I, I don't do lunch bets in February now. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 Jerry Seinfeld, I choose not to run. Hey, oh, wow. So I'll see you on the 1st of March. So hang on. So I, I'm prepared. You're, you are so adamant about the 19 and a half, but just because it's a month that starts with F, you are not, not getting into the lunch bets. Jimmy, I've been bleeding from all, all parts for the last four or five days. I have a significant investment all over the Panthers to cover the line here. I am not going to let you mock me at the, with a lunch bet. So the answer is no. Tristan, do you hear what I hear? I can just hear Mrs. Condon saying, Jared, 
Can you see the same as me, Jimmy? I, I think the door might be just a little bit ajar there and there's a few notes being passed back and forth uh, between the parties. But how about this? In, in the interests of, uh, of, of lunch bet then, Jimmy, maybe uh, maybe someone else has got to step up to the plate and I've, I've got to build a bit of a, a buffer before the um, before the Titans uh, season rolls around. So uh, I, I, I'd be interested in taking on in a lunch bet there. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yes, as a former Panthers supporter, I'm going to say that, make a presumption on that. Uh, yes, just just gathering acorns for the winter. I like that. Uh, I like that. So, all right, you and me, lunch bet. Uh, you're going with your Panthers at the 19 and a half. I'll go with the mighty Saints of St. Helens uh, with the plus 19 and a half. A racing bet, please, Jared. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, a very sad day for the racing industry with uh, the passing of Dean Lester last night. I just wanted to acknowledge that. I mean, I, uh, oh. you know, you know uh, incredibly sad. The man has been uh, cut down by a, a, a really severe cancer of uh, recent months. And I think in the last couple of days, it uh, took a significant turn and uh, just an absolute legend of a man in the media and a gentleman. And I have uh, three alarms on my mobile phone for probably the last 10 years, and each of them reminded me of a particular time each week on a Friday or Saturday or a Monday where Dean was on radio and I'd always listen. And uh, So, um, wow. uh, um, yeah, um, very sad day. Um, Jimmy, I thought I did like this horse, and maybe it might be the omen tip. Uh, Flemington, which was... Uh, uh, one of the major homes for, for Dean each week. Race two tomorrow, number one, see you in heaven. $3.60. Yeah. It's got some outstanding form. I thought it looked uh, very well placed here and it might be the right the right aim and tip for the right week. Gee, I didn't know that till you mentioned it. I had the great um, opportunity to work with Dean a couple of times on the radio. Uh, thorough professional, uh, outstanding at his craft. Um, and that is a very sad news. So condolences on to Dean's family uh, on the news of his passing. Tristan, do you have one for us this weekend? I do actually, guys. We um we we we've, we're going to go to Flemington as well. Uh, we're going to go race four, number eleven, Independent Road. Uh, it's been very very well backed. It's been up a little while in this this campaign, but Ben and JD Hayes, uh, I, I think it's going to have a much improved showing here. So it's at seven dollars fifty. I'm going to do the 50-50 staking plan at the 750. That's race four, number 11, Independent Road. And I should add that that's a particular favourite horse of Dino's and uh, being ridden by Jai McNeil, who is also very close to Dino. So uh, a very apt tip. I'm going to go down south as well. Flemington, race three, number three, Mahaba. And, of course, a change of stable from David Payne to Graham Begg. Good run previously uh, in a form race that's holding up very nicely. Trialled superbly in the Melbourne way of going. So uh, we're looking at now the all-important staking plan at $4.80 and $1.90. So, Tristan, gee whiz. Uh, you know what? Fortune favours the brave. Let's go $100 on the nose at $4.80. We may have a very interesting parlay at Flemington races two, three, and four on Saturday, gentlemen. There we go. Why don't we do that? Uh, the Dean Lester special. How about we, we call it that if everyone wanted to get involved? Um, all right, boys, bit of a somber note that we finish on there. Um, hope everyone has a great weekend of the, the footy, obviously, um, and, of course, uh, the racing as well. Who knows what the test cricket is going to provide from India as well. Thanks, lads. We'll do it again next week. So, all the best.
Reading the Play is Australia's favourite source of NRL and horse racing tips. Our professional analysts provide the sporting enthusiast with the best of the best. Get the best professional tips and previews from our tipsters direct to your phone. Readingtheplay.com.